This is the GPL Podcast, sponsored by Jerry Peters and First Class Mortgage. Our expertise, your peace of mind. Visit us at firstclassmortgage.com. Now, here's Jupe and Vigo. Good evening and welcome to the GPL Podcast, episode number 180. Glad you're all joining us tonight. And uh, we've got a new guest we've never had on before. You know, we had a new guest on Wednesday. It was Pat McAletty. And he's leading us in to the one and only Wally Shaver. Wally, thanks for joining us. Hey, it's my pleasure. I wasn't doing anything else except watching a football game, so why not? I, I was watching a little <laughs> bit of the football game. It's, I just... I, football games have become good napping for me now. Yes, I agree. <laughs> That's how it is. Well, we finally got you on the podcast. I've been thinking yeah, about it for years, here. but I think this Zoom thing kind of helps it. You know, you'd, hey, you just send somebody a link and boom, there they are. Yeah, yeah. So it's it, the new it, way. Hey, I, it, it's working for us. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad we have it. So I'm, and we're glad to have you on. Um, but before we get into the hockey this weekend, um, Pat Micheletti told us a little story on Wednesday with Wally about a little incident that happened after a game where you got stuck in a parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> what What did you do? How, how did you get stuck in a parking lot? <laughs> well, I just went in the wrong gate over at the TCF Bank and uh, thought I could get out the maroon lot, but I couldn't. So I circled the wagons a couple of times and finally figured out I got to go back out the same way I came in and there's not a whole lot of options around that stadium anyways, but eventually I got out of there and Frank and Mick had a pretty good laugh about it. Oh that. yeah. That, <laughs> Mick was, uh, he's like, Oh, you got to make sure you ask him about that. He, <laughs> he was stuck in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't about to ram the gate. I figured they'd uh, have cameras oh, there. And oh boy. You don't it. need that story hitting the air. No, <laughs> Wally Shaver breaks gate. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Viggs, um, I know you didn't predict it, but we had another sweep this weekend uh, against the, the Michigan State uh, Spartans, Viggs. Uh, that's a that's a good deal. Yeah, I think Sparty tried to turn it into a game where goaltending and specialty teams were going to be the big factors, and Minnesota came out on top in both of those. Uh, I'm a little surprised at how good the power play has been this year. It just kind of goes to show when you get some defensemen up top who are very creative and comfortable changing positions, you know, you have a unit that is doing pretty well. They're clicking at a pretty good pace. And I think one of the reasons they're doing so well is they are creating second and third chances. Mm-hmm. You know, when they do miss a shot, if there is a rebound, they've been able to collect the puck and they, they get what essentially is extra outs. And if you give extra outs to a team like the Gophers who have players like, Sample Ranta, Scott Reedy, in that net presence role, you're going to be really effective. And, uh, Wally, one thing I like is that they're pitching a shutout so far on penalty kill. Yeah, that's been uh, a very pleasant surprise. I I think Bob and his staff are a little bit surprised it's been that good as well. But, you know, you go back last year, you were experimenting with some new people in both power play and penalty kill situations after we graduated that big senior class Mm -hmm. from the the previous year. So 
now that these guys have had uh, an opportunity to to get used to what their roles are, uh, that they've perfected it, and they're they're doing exceptionally well. And, and they're not afraid to pressure teams to coming up through the neutral zone when they're shorthanded. So it's forcing some errant passes and some easy dumps right back down at the other end. And, and you don't mind seeing the opposing team having to go 200 feet every time they got a power play. And I think one of the keys to the penalty kill this year has been the way Bob's put his forwards on the ice. You know, he's been starting a lot with Jackson Nelson or yeah. um, Ben Myers, and they've just been great in the faceoff circle. And if you can start a power play by winning the draw and clearing the zone, that's going to help you a ton. And then he counters with Walker and McLaughlin, you know, a couple speedy guys who are different and really can pressure the puck. So you get a power play unit that's maybe already had to go back and regroup. And now they get set up maybe a little tired late in that first minute. And they're out there against Walker and McLaughlin. And now the pace is pretty high on the PK. Yeah. You know, that's a great recipe for success. Well, it is, and it, it works great. And you, you you can't look past, too, the job that Jack LaFontaine has done back in goal because everybody always says your best penalty killer has got to be your goalie. And, and Laffer's just stopping everything that's been thrown at him. And uh, he's just been uh, superb back there so far this year, whether it's penalty kill or uh, an even strength situation. He's just almost unbeatable. I can't imagine, I, I was telling Bob, I said, you know, but going into that last game, I never would have thought that I would see a, a team that has won five straight games and only given up five goals. It's rare at any level of hockey to get a stretch put together like that. And this team is just, uh, you hate to say that they're hitting in all cylinders, but uh, the reality is they are. They're 6-0. and And, and uh, the, the other amazing thing with this team right now, in six games, they have never trailed a mm-hmm. second they've been tied a couple of times but never trailed in a hockey game and that's just amazing to me um that may change this, this again but um one thing that i did notice is that uh they really kind of did get outplayed there towards the end of that second game there Viggs. i mean they did get the empty net goal but th- you know throughout the game you know you're always going to get michigan state's best game or any team's best game that second night after losing uh, but, you know, Michigan State, you know, started really slow, even the second game, finished much stronger. Well, I might be getting my years confused, but I believe last year Michigan State had a weekend at Mariucci where they just did not play very well. And late in the series, I think I had a source down there who said that locker room was very heated. And their leaders said, we're not ending this weekend this way. And they came out very determined and stole some points from Minnesota. And what Michigan State has is they've got some great centers. They dominated the faceoff circle on Saturday, and I think that started to pay off a little bit as the night wore on, and they controlled the puck a lot more. Um, I tried to get some of the players to say what had changed during the game, (laughs) and, you know, you get those vanilla answers. You know, they played harder, they skated harder, they competed more. You know, that's a little bit of it, but I think Michigan State tightened up their defense a little bit. I think they didn't let Minnesota get started in the transition, very well and the game just tightened up and and laffer had quite the battle on his hands in the third period one thing we've talked about this year wally is that you know towards the end of the game similar to this michigan state game you start thinking "Uh uh-oh here they come they're gonna tie it maybe lose the game oh boy but this year's team seems to really kind of keep it together much better than you'd seen in previous years yeah and i i think uh 
that third period on the second game against Michigan State, uh, it was really the last five or six minutes mm-hmm. we saw the really big push from Michigan State. But what impressed me most about the Gophers play in that is, you know, here's a still a really pretty young team, and yet they were able to protect a 3-2 to two lead for a pretty good chunk of that hockey game. And mm-hmm. they had done that uh, in every game so far where they've really battened down the hatches on a, on a good job and are keeping teams pretty much on the perimeter. I mean, you guys see the, the shot charts where other teams are getting their shots from, and it's just amazing the number of shots that the opponents are taking that are from the, the boards or the outside perimeter or back at the point. Those are always low-percentage shots. And if you can keep doing that, uh, it, it really bodes well for a successful season. Going to hit up a Twitter question here. Um, I saw this earlier. Oh, here we go. Hockey fan 2020, I would like to hear from you guys. Comment on the play of Faber and Kester. Uh, I know you're a big fan of them, uh, Viggs. Yeah, I mean, Faber has transitioned to college hockey exceptionally well. You know, you hear a U.S. National Team Development Program coach say he's the best defender he's ever coached. You know, they put him in these international tournaments against forwards who are supposed to be first-round picks, and he just locks them down. You kind of hear that and you go, okay, well, let's see what he does when he gets to college hockey and you're playing against 22, 23-year-olds, and he's just stepped right in. And his skating is so good. His gap control is so good. And he exits his own just as well as any of the other defensemen on the team. It's been fun to watch. Caster, I think, has a little bit more of a learning curve over what kind of mistakes and risk he can take on at this level. But he definitely has the skill and the talent. Uh, you know why Toronto was interested in getting him. And Wally, you know, you see Motsko putting both of those guys out there in high-pressure situations as well. He trusts those guys. Yeah, that, that's the big thing. You've got, as a coaching staff, you have to have trust in these guys. And I think uh, what's, what's another uh, great asset for this program is having an undergrad assistant coach like Paul Martin, who played 14 years in the National Hockey League. And, and he's able to teach these guys, you know, just some little wee things that he had learned along the, the line playing professional hockey for so many years. And I think now we're, we're seeing some of those things come into fruition. I think we'll see a lot more of that as not only this season progresses, but the careers of those two guys here at the university. But I, I agree with you, Viggs. Uh, the, the play of Kester and, and, and uh, Faber has been a pleasant surprise. I mean, they, they fit right into this program. And, and the skating ability that Brock Faber has is, is just uh, it's insane. Uh, he can go laterally. He can circle back into his own like Ryan Johnson has been known to do and, and still make that perfect play and elude some traffic. And uh, I think he's almost a, a cinch to make the U.S. World Junior Team. But uh, uh, at any rate, it, it's just fun to watch these guys come in and be so successful early on. But they're both really good puck movers, and they make smart decisions. And, and I think that's, uh, that's what's made this a stronger team on the defense. It's just they've got that offensive capability to, to transition and get right back up ice and create scoring chances. And I think the the confidence they have to move with the play, not just move the puck to the forwards and then all of a sudden you get that separation between the D and the forwards. They're able to move the puck and join the play so they rush with four. And when you attack an an offensive zone with four players, you are way more effective than just sending your three forwards. Yeah, I've got to catch myself sometimes calling the game because all of a sudden you see two defensemen down behind the other team's goal. It's like, (laughs) hey, 
who's who's minding the bar back here right now, you know? <laughs> well, how I, is that going at TCF this past weekend as you're trying to keep track of all that on the monitors? I, I know a couple times I feel like Nevers and um, Caster kind of can have the same skating style and the yeah. numbers are pretty close and you're just kind of like, who is that again? Yeah. <laughs> how was your vision? Uh, well, it's different when you're calling off of a TV monitor, but uh, I tell you, the people at uh, the TCF Bank Stadium, the, the, the staff up there that run the control room, and Dan Robotham with uh, Gopher Sports Properties in Learfield has did, done a phenomenal job on, on getting the, the broadcast signals that are coming back from the other schools into us. And then we've got, uh, Frank and I have like a 55-inch monitor in front of us we're at separate tables, so we're positioned about eight feet apart, but we've got our own monitors. And then we've got a great big screen there as well. But besides the regular game camera uh, that we're looking at, there's also two smaller boxes, kind of like Zoom here, uh, on, on the side, on one side of the screen. So it gives you kind of a corner shot uh, view, uh, which helps for seeing line changes, because sometimes when you're following a game camera you, you don't see the line change mm-hmm. if you're watching on tv well this gives us that capability to see it and then it's got the ribbon right down at the bottom so we know what the penalty times are what the game clock time is and um, it's a fantastic setup it, it worked really really well for our first goal uh with the michigan state series and it's probably going to vary a little bit uh, from arena to arena but uh, so far the what michigan state sent back to us for our control room uh, was phenomenal. Uh, we had a little bit audio thing the opening night, but we were able to separate PA announcements from mm-hmm. um, on ice uh, uh, microphones. So which you captured a, a little too well a couple times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a couple f bombs. <laughs> well, <laughs> when there's no cr- nobody in the stands too, uh, yeah. there's there's sounds that get picked up now that normally wouldn't. I hope hopefully <laughs> the state you know no one gets in trouble for that because it's just it's just one of those things. Well, I, I can't see how anybody would get in trouble. I mean, Glenn used to swear on the air. So, I mean. I know. I had to put a rap on him a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> but but all, all in all, it was, it was a pretty good experience then? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, I, I did have some experience calling games off of TV back in the, and this goes way back, in the 1994 Winter Olympics. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah, I was... Uh, Hired by Mike Diamond, incidentally, who was the, the, the president of Fox Sports North. But back in those days, he was working for Prime Sports Colorado. And that's before all these sports networks mm-hmm. became Fox property. But Rupert Murdoch had, uh, you know, he had bought in the Fox network and was starting to put together a big conglomerate of all these regional sports networks across the United States. And then he did the same thing over in Asia. And uh, he had 30 countries in Asia with 36 million homes. Again, this is back in 1994. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to bring the Winter Olympics to them. Well, the Olympics that year were played in the Lillehammer, Norway. So out of the blue one day, um, Diamond gives me a phone call. He says, geez, would you be interested in going over and and doing the Winter Olympics? I said, oh, yeah, sounds great. Well, he says, there's one exception. Uh, we can't get into the Olympic Village because all the media rights and <laughs> and everything has been settled. So what we've done is we've rented studio and a, uh, a production house in London, England. So you got to go to London and then you'll be working off of a TV monitor. Well, a little British TV monitor like <laughs> that, you know. And 
<laughs> you don't wear a headset. You like I've got my microphone here. You got your microphone. You, you got this little lip thing here. You put it up there, and you, you're broadcasting like this, watching a tiny monitor. <laughs> and he, he asked me if I knew anybody that would like to be the color commentator. I said, "Well, yeah, I know a guy that just got fired from the New Jersey Devils. Herb Brooks. He might be interested. Oh, He's got geez. a little background." So I called up Herbie and said, "Hey, Herbie, you want to go to London and be my roommate for about three and a half weeks, and we can cover the Winter Olympics." So we went over there and just had a blast, and only had to do a game about every every two days. Oh, geez, so that's that's fun. a really good gig, actually. It was a really good gig. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose you know back then, you know, it's not like TV monitors or but just tiny little things. But now you can have these huge screens where you can actually see. And you get the high definition. I can't yeah. imagine what it was been like back then. <laughs> oh, just your basic analog signal. I think we took it down off of satellite. We had feeds coming in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I remember uh, a guy that used to work in this market, Mike Woodley, was oh, yeah. over there. He was he was calling it for CBS radio. So I'd give him a call every day and just try to get the scoops from a guy that's hands-on in the Olympic Village to find out what was going on. And uh uh, it worked out pretty good. It, it was a unique experience and something I'm very proud I had the opportunity to do. Another question. Of course, we we're going to get this from uh, Tim Hapke. He wants to know, how's Wally's dad doing up in Canada? How's old Al doing? <laughs> uh, Al's doing great. Uh, he, he, uh, we moved him into an assisted living place yeah. back in March. It was just after everything got shut down with pandemic. But uh, my mom had passed away about a year and a half ago, the previous August. And uh, he was just, he wanted to live alone for a while and, and just see how that worked out. But he got tired of living in his condo and uh, decided to, to put that up for sale. And uh, we got that closed out here this past summer. And, but back in March, he moved into an assisted living place. And uh, for a guy that's 93 years of age, uh, he's, uh, he's doing well. Uh, he, he doesn't need everyday attention, but they bring him one meal a day and the others he fixes for himself. So he's got all the care there. And uh, but he he really misses us. Uh, my wife and I usually go up there to see him for Christmas. But with the restrictions yeah. uh, in Canada, I mean, you, you have to have a two-week uh, quarantine in a hotel room all by yourself before you can visit anybody. And, and now that he's in an assisted living place, too, it probably would be pretty tough to get in there. Mm-hmm. And, but uh, so we'll just wait till uh, the vaccines come out and uh, hopefully this thing... Uh, get settled down here in the near future and we'll get a chance to get up there after hockey season to see him again. But yeah, all in all, he's doing great for an old fart. He's doing great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, the funny thing is, you know, FSN um, was covering the games on TV this weekend and they did a story on the 1976 gopher hockey team. And it was narrated by your dad was that old video they would have put together. And there we are. We hear Al's voice, you know, just saying, talking about the, the season, the last few games and the, and, you know, the games against, you know, Michigan Tech and things like that. And so it was, it was kind of a nice reminder because we hadn't heard his voice in a while. And yeah, all of a sudden yeah. they're doing the 1976, you know, year tape that uh, that he uh, narrated. So, yeah, it was good to hear it. Good to yep. hear it. He, he uh, enjoyed NHL playoffs when they came back on in the summer. Oh. So it gave him something to watch because <laughs> obviously, as we all know, there was nothing going on there for a few months. Mm-hmm. Is he pretty adept at uh, FaceTime or Zoom or anything like that to give you any feedback? No. In fact, when he moved out of the condo in assisted living, he, di- he didn't want his computer or anything anymore. And basically, he just played solitaire on it. You know? <laughs> Maybe answered a few emails. But 
Uh, no, he really wasn't into Zoom or Alexis or any any of this these kind of modern uh, uh, modems that we use nowadays. But uh, we wish he would. But you know, it's uh, hey, he's ninety three years old and I, just not uh, <laughs> picking up new technology. You know, I couldn't get my mother to do any of that stuff. You know, I have a grandfather that's ninety six who lives by himself in his home still. He's like, I don't need any of that stuff. Let's get it away from me. Yeah. Okay. Just, yeah, you I'm, do I'm, you, and that's all that matters. <laughs> I'm pretty impressed with how how well my dad handles all of this technology. I think he likes the texting more than calling because you know you don't have to worry about hearing issues or the reception. You can text pretty easily, and he's pretty sharp with it. So it's been a good way for him to stay connected with his grandkids. And uh, the holidays are challenging, but yeah. it's it's better than just a phone call. I think. And hopefully, Donald's watching right now. Hi, Donald. <laughs> well, I know Big Al isn't. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. We're just a little college hockey podcast. Yeah. We don't really matter. <laughs> well, we got a bunch of other things to get into, but uh, before we do that, we need to hear from our sponsor. Hey, fellow GPLers. This is Jerry Peters from First Class Mortgage. Interest rates are near all time lows and property values are on the rise. Lower your interest rate and remove monthly PMI at the same time to save thousands of dollars. Or use the equity in your home for debt consolidation and home improvement. The housing market is still hot, so make sure you're prepared by getting a pre-approval letter from me before you start shopping. Mention you heard about me on the GPL podcast and receive a $300 closing cost credit. Some restrictions do apply. Call me today at 612-940-3291 or visit firstclassmortgage.com to fill out a free online application. My NMLS number is 480200. First Class Mortgages is 322842. This is not an offer to lock into an interest rate agreement under Minnesota law. First Class Mortgage is an equal housing lender. And of course, we always like to thank Jerry for sponsoring us. It's always great to have. Um, v, so we got some uh, questions in chat. In the, in yeah, the looks like, chat. Uh, looks like we, we've got a couple. Oh, what do we got? I know Brent Hoven's asking, you know, is this team a little more mature? Are they showing a little bit more growth as a team? I know from my perspective, Bob's talked about there's been times where the bench is getting frustrated and negative thoughts are being voiced on the bench, but there's enough leadership on this team that shuts that down right away and I get the sense that this team has a lot of positivity to it and has a lot of maturity and isn't letting themselves get in the rut of getting down on themselves or complaining about the refs or worrying about bounces that didn't go their way and we've seen a team that's been pretty resilient they've got off to fast starts in the first period you know second period last year was a huge problem for this program they they would fall behind in a lot of games and really shoot themselves in the foot and I don't think we're seeing that this year. No, I, I agree. I think this is a, a, a team that's different. It, there's a few more upperclassmen on this team than we had last year. You know, a year ago, we only had three seniors that played on a regular basis. Uh, so this year, we've got five out there. And they're really contributing. You know, guys like Scott Reedy and Brandon McManus are having uh, just tremendous years. Cullen Munson has finally got an opportunity to play on a regular basis. And I tell you, that fourth line that he's on with Jackson Nelson and Jack Kerbix, they're just a delight to watch. You go back to that first game against Michigan State, and Frank and I had commented on it a couple of times, but 
I think maybe all but one shift in that game for that fourth line, the, the play was in the Michigan State zone. They were creating some scoring chances. They did get a goal out of the weekend, but uh, they're just dogged determination and they keep teams bottled up in their own zone. And that is so effective when you can put a fourth line out there on a regular basis, you know, just rotating your lines through. And that's what coach has been able to do. And these guys are contributing. And that's part of that leadership that you're, you guys were talking about. Well, I think one thing we see with this team at the end of these games is every once in a while there's a chip and change shift where they just throw it in, get to the bench, new troops out there. But I think most of the time you're seeing lines that are mature enough and smart enough to get it in the zone and cover for other guys to change. Or they change in such a way as that you're not just going right back on defense. And to close out a game, I think that's so crucial to be able to have that skill set and mentality. Yeah, I, I agree, Viggs. And it's, I, I think it's part of the process of doing what, what a lot of people refer to as the little things. Mm-hmm. But it's things like that. You know, Maybe you're at the end of your shift. One guy will dump it down, and maybe he goes in as a soft four check, but allows the other four guys to get off the ice, get some fresh legs out there. Then that last guy can get his butt off and get the fresh you know, five out there. So it's little things like that that make a big difference in how far you go. Because like you say, so often we, we used to see it where, yeah, it's time for a change. Maybe you lose a puck at the opposing team's blue line. Next thing you know, they're coming back the other direction. You get tired bodies out there, and it's hard to get out. But what I've been so impressed with this year so far with this Gopher team is how methodically they and efficiently they move the puck out of their zone and, and turn it into an attack. It's fun to watch. It just creates all kinds of opportunities. <laughs> Definitely fun to watch. Uh, another question from the YouTube chat. We've got uh, John Candles asking, how much star power is lost this series due to the World Juniors? And V's, it's a lot. <laughs> it's yeah. it's a lot. I think all three of the defensemen from the Gophers are going to make the World Junior team. They're all playing at such a high level. Not a lot of returning talent on that World Junior roster either. And then from Michigan... I think they're losing five of their top six scores to the World Junior Camp. So we're losing defense if, and they're losing offense. I don't know how many of those players are going to stick with the team, but they're going to miss the series against Minnesota. So they're going to lose some firepower up front. Minnesota, I think, is going to lose some of their transition ability with all those defensemen going. I know Bob's been trying to work Stucker back in the lineup. He's trying to get Fish some opportunities maybe after they kill a penalty where the top players for the other team are going to have to rest for a little bit and he can get his feet wet, but they're going to get thrown into the fire these next two games. <laughs> yeah. Fish, fish had some decent ice time and then Stucker getting back in the lineup. Uh, he picked up two assists in the first game against Michigan state. So he, he was seeing regular dirt duty. I'm sure he will again. Uh, I'm not sure if Ben Brinkman who was out injured for the two games against Michigan state will be back yet. Uh, he, along with Brandon McManus, are both nursing uh, uh, leg injuries. So whether either one can make it back for Michigan, I, I, I don't know at this point. But it's going to give other guys an opportunity. You know, a guy like a Sam Rosini, I, I don't know who all is going to be in the lineup, but Sam hasn't played a game yet this year. So there's an opportunity to get in there and, and uh, prove your worth and, and hopefully stay in the lineup. Jared Klein wants to know, does anyone know when the Big Ten will release the rest of their schedule? And Jared, we just don't know. I mean, you know, we had Moscow and his weekly availability this week. We even talked about this on the last podcast, Viggs, that he's like, 
well, I'm hearing it's this week, but they told me it was going to happen three weeks ago. So if the coach doesn't know, the coach might have an idea, but there's just nothing happened yet, Viggs. Yeah, they're going to be playing games. Oh, yeah. There's just complications with media and travel schedules and just trying to make sure you get off on the right foot. I'm sure Wisconsin would like all their players to be healthy by the time play starts up again <laughs> so they don't have to postpone any games. And you just you just don't know. But I do think this kind of philosophy of putting four games kind of close together and reducing the travel for the teams is probably a good idea for giving them a chance to finish the season. Uh, because once the players know they have games and they're in their routine, it's a lot easier for them to stay focused. If they have long you know, breaks where they don't know what's coming next, uh, that opens things up a little bit. I always used to think that sometimes go for slow starts on Friday nights is because maybe – their Wednesdays and Thursdays weren't as disciplined, but Friday night you get into your routine and then you come into your Saturday game, you're in your routine, you know, then you're ready to play. So I, I like the four games in a short stretch. Wally, I know you've got the whole schedule for January. You're just holding it back, aren't you? No, we, we were <laughs> hoping we would have it last week too, because we're, we're all trying to plan, but mm-hmm. normally this is the time of year when things shut down yep. for, uh, semester break and final exams anyway so there's really no difference there but uh, obviously the Mariucci classic which usually happens right at the end of December uh, isn't going to happen this year and it'll be a January start sometime for renewing games Uh, I think the one critical thing that we've had happen so far within the Big Ten conference is no games have been postponed now you look out east we knocking on this, wood. I'm knocking on wood of that. <laughs> yeah, we, we went into this weekend, uh, well, the series with Michigan State, only 34 of 61 D1 teams had played games. Hmm. Nine had canceled their seasons, and that left, you know, another, what, 19, 20 teams still looking to play their first games. And since then, obviously, a couple have over the course of this weekend here. But COVID has just really hampered uh, all sports. But so far, the Big Ten has done an admirable job of not only following uh, COVID protocols within their athletic departments, but doing all the testing with, with the kids and, and making sure people are healthy. And if they're not, there's a 21-day period that they have to sit out. Uh, are there going to be some cases down the pipeline here? I'm sure there's going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we know there's going to be a rash of uh, cases coming up here over the next two and three weeks after Thanksgiving. And... Uh, we just got to hope that a lot of these athletes take care of themselves and stay away and uh, from a lot of other people, uh, keep their get-togethers just within themselves, wear masks, wash hands, you know, the stuff that's recommended, uh, especially when you look at, you know, go for football. I mean, what was it, 46 people between yeah. players and staff came down with COVID here? I mean, I, I don't know how it avoided the hockey team, but... <laughs> well, 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 the one uh, thing that there is... separate, though. Yeah, and but the one thing there is, Viggs, is like, we can kind of figure out maybe a few of them have had it, but we also don't know that maybe some of these players had it in the summer or early fall. We don't really know. Obviously they're not going to release that information. Moscow said he had it. I mean, there's a lot of unknowns here. Yeah. He said he's had it and he's had one positive case in season this year. So, you know, fans can, can do that as they want to guess, but you know, for Thanksgiving, they didn't let the players go home and have Thanksgiving with their families. He kept them in game mode, you know, with their teammates. And he's mentioned that people who do get COVID at the U that he's heard, 
you know, it's not coming from teammates at practice. It's coming from having people over to your apartment or your dorm room or getting an Uber ride or sharing a, a car somewhere. You know, that's where they're tracking the cases back to. It's not a lot of stuff between the team until this big go for football outbreak happen. But I think as long as players have games and have their schedule and are in that bubble hockey mode, you know, they're not going to have the official bubble, but the players are taking on a lot of responsibility. Yeah. Bob was saying that when he came down with COVID in, in the summer, uh, we were talking about it on a radio show last week. He said he didn't catch it from Gopher, uh, from, from the University of Minnesota or the Gopher hockey program. It was actually at one of his kids' functions over the course of summer. And he got pretty sick. He said he just really felt bad for like two straight weeks before things cleared up and he was getting back to some realm of normalcy. It's nothing you want to mess with. Oh, yeah, we've talked about that too. It's yeah. like, you know, some people aren't going to feel a thing. Some people are going to get really sick. It's just, yeah. that's what, that's what's been so scary about this whole COVID thing. Everyone is, is, is reacting differently. I mean, you look, there was some hundred year old lady who's had it twice already. Jeez. And she's fine. I, I, that's, it's just a big unknown right now. Vs. We just, I mean, you looked at, you know, you Wisconsin, just when they were playing Arizona State, weren't they short, like, four or five guys at least? Yeah, they had to put a couple defensemen at wings on their fourth line Yeah, and just try to get them out there to spell players when they could. Uh, that's a difficult thing to do in college hockey. The rosters aren't yeah. very big. So if you have the virus get through your team, the way the conferences are holding everybody accountable with their protocols, you're going to miss games if you have it get in your room. So the players know that they've got a lot of responsibility on their shoulders if they want to have a season. And, you know, as long as people keep catching the virus, it's still going to be out there. <laughs> so the, the faster we get rid of it with a vaccine and, and people taking care of themselves, the less time we have to deal with it. And Wally, the, you know, the coach even said, it's up to the players. It's up well, to you. If you want to play, you got to be smart. That's just that's how right. you just flat out said that. Yeah, it's the same case with uh, everybody. You know, mm -hmm. you just got to take the precautions. Uh, I do. I, I don't want to get this. <laughs> well, nobody does. No. No. So, so Wally, you know, you're obviously you're calling the games from here. You're not seeing the players as much. Are you kind of missing that kind of interaction and like the, you know, a lot of times you guys fly with the team out. Are you kind of missing some of that background and kind of getting to know the players as you would normally do? Yeah, that, that's been the toughest part. It, it's like even when we do Zoom calls with Bob, I mean, he just smiles because he can finally see us, you know, <laughs> just on the video. But you, you just, uh, you, you really miss that interaction, you know, and working with guys like Boomer, our, our uh, guy that puts the whole program together and the video coaching and, and, and the assistant coaches. We don't get a chance to really get with Ben Gordon and, and Garrett Raboyne at all. And, uh, you know, when we're on the road. We, we go out a lot with uh, – uh, the staff and go out to eat together and, and have a beverage afterwards. And, and you, you miss all that. And you see the players cause we're staying in the same hotel. We're staying on the same floors with them. And uh, you know, the guys have said the same thing that they miss seeing us as well, but I'd rather see them safe and uh, be able to play the game and, and uh, be able to conduct their studies appropriately as well. So uh, if they're taking care of themselves and doing all the right things, that's good. You know, uh, they know we're here. We know they're there. And as long as everybody is safe, we can get a hockey season in. 
Well, I'm hoping we all get to meet after the games too and yell at what's on the TVs at Maxwell's because <laughs> they've been closed since March. I heard. <laughs> I did get some uh, Blue Door takeout the other day, oh. and that uh, that warmed warmed my heart to get a blue sea and, and some uh, <laughs> Smoky Bandit fries. Yeah, is is much needed. Well, we got a big series coming up, guys. Heading to Michigan. Um, it's going to be odd because we obviously we, we talked about Michigan's down there five of the top six scores. They've got a young, they had a young team, but that'll actually probably be a little older this weekend, Beast, with those those youngsters gone. But we've got our youngsters gone on defense. Uh, what do you expect, Vegas? It's just you don't know. Yeah, we don't know. I was going to be expecting Brinkman and Caster to be playing a lot of minutes, but I don't think that's going to happen if Brinkman isn't fully healthy. I almost think that's one of the reasons they might have held him out of the Michigan State Series is give him a chance to get back to 100%, and then maybe you can play him in the Michigan Series because he would definitely come in handy for those two games. It'll be interesting to see how everybody else steps up for the opportunity. You know, Stucker, great on offense. It's looked really good on the power play. Hasn't really had to defend much. You know, I think Bob's been cautious about how he puts him out there for ice time. You know, it's going to be hard to hide anybody against Michigan. You know, they could dress 70, but I, I don't think you can really hide anyone out there. Uh, up front, I'm interested to see how Sammy Walker and Blake McLaughlin play. You know, they, they have another level to hit. And I think when they're effective, Walker can change the game with his speed, creating turnovers and getting in transition. I haven't seen enough of that this year. Blake McLaughlin, he takes advantage when he creates second chances and chaos in the offensive zone. Haven't seen a lot of possession out of that line this year. So that's what I'll be looking for this weekend or this week. <laughs> Wait, it's those, hard with the schedule. Those Tuesday, Wednesday games. <laughs> I've stopped referring to Friday and Saturday. I try to go game one, game two. Yeah, it's easier that way. It's been yeah. throwing me all off. You know, I, I was trying to get my stuff, my stuff done on Saturday afternoon. Cause I got to get, Oh wait, I don't need to get home for hockey. It's just, it's just all messed up. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'll be really curious to see, you know, we talk about Gophers playing four games in six days to open up the season. Uh, this stretch here is four games in seven days. These guys normally don't do that. But the guys, everybody to me has been saying, oh, we just want to play games. But, you know, we don't mind not having practices. We don't mind a, a compressed schedule like this. It's just we want to get out there and play some games. But the NCHC, I mean, they're all in a pod down there in Omaha but they're going to end up playing a game every other day, 10 games in 20 days for each Ooh. of those teams. I'll be really curious to see once that pod session is over with, you know, how beat up or how tired are these teams after playing that kind of a schedule? That's even more games than an NHL schedule. Yeah. I think it's so difficult in that league because you don't have the practice time. I think that's one of the things about college hockey that makes it as competitive and, there's so much parity in the NCAAs is because teams can prepare for each other, get sound systems. And that level just jumps to a much more complicated, difficult game to break open. And so maybe we'll see some of the games where teams can score nine goals. Like we saw this past weekend, you know, that's going to happen because you don't have all the time to prepare that I know college coaches take advantage of. Well, 
I'm just looking forward to midweek hockey. Yeah, it'll be fun. It's it's uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, once you you get the schedule finally going and getting some games going, yeah. uh, you, you realize how bad you miss the sport, you know. And that's uh, that's what I'm looking forward to is just to keep this ball rolling. Well, one thing I was it was kind of interesting. I was listening to you guys. I'm not sure if you did this um, on the first game, but the second game, you actually picked up uh, Deutsch's Zoom and was you know listening to the player interviews at the end of the game. You wouldn't have had yeah. that opportunity before. No, you're right. In the past, uh, we would not have. Uh, we, we could have set up some uh, uh, a different system audio-wise to mm-hmm. put microphones down there and, and do that. But now with everything Zoom, um, it's giving us some, some new technical challenges, not only just putting road games on that we can see in our TCF Bank uh, control room up there, but uh, just you, you can start doing some of these things of, bringing in, getting some player comments after game, which we weren't able to do in the past. And, and uh, it's, it's kind of a work in progress, but it, it's been a fun challenge. And it certainly has uh, uh, restructured our format a little bit on what we can do, because the other thing the Big Ten did was to shorten those intermissions from 16 yeah. minutes down to 12. So you know, we, we've got X number of commercial minutes <laughs> we got in. So our, our feature segments have been dramatically reduced. And even uh, in the periods, if it's a BTN televised game, they take one 60-second break midway through the period. Normally, you'd have three breaks per period. So these games are getting done in, in right around two hours. Yep. We had the one game, uh, one home game was an hour and 59 minutes. You rarely in the past ever saw no. a hockey game go that quick. No. I remember running uh, high school hockey tournaments at Drake Arena, and we were – dying to get a game over in two hours so we could get the night done you know you got to play four games and you're just like come on guys let's go let's get that ice set and get everybody <laughs> going so we can get out of here before midnight <laughs> but these games are quick it's it's pretty it's pretty fast paced i know it was an adjustment for bob after the first weekend where he's going boy that one tv timeout a period certainly makes a difference you got to have a little bit more depth in your lineup yeah, you do, and that's a great point, Viggs, because before, you know, you could rest guys in these one-minute breaks, and sometimes that, that's really all you needed. Uh, that's why sometimes fourth lines on some teams didn't get a whole lot of game action in. You, you had a chance to rest your, your top nine forwards and just circulate through those guys. But it is a different game right now, and it, it's a big adjustment for all these coaches uh, from a strategic standpoint and a planning standpoint and, and how you're going to conduct your business. And I think it puts the Gophers in great position with how well that fourth line's played. You know, Bob talked about them maybe being his top line out of the weekend, bristling at a question that was phrased, pointing them out as a fourth line. He's like, well, they, they might be the fourth one on the line chart, but they played better than the others. Was that well, a Jess I, Myers I question? So. <laughs> it could have been a Jess Myers question. <laughs> Jess and uh, Bob have been uh, barring at each other on the – just games, trying to create a goalie fun. controversy. <laughs> How are you going to get Mo in there? Gonna, I'm like, I mean, well, right now, Wally, you know, if, if Jack's feeling great, you stick with him, don't you? Well, yeah. And Bob really wanted in those first uh, four games, he really did want to get Jared in there. But, you know, when you're sitting at a 1.0 goals against average and a 9.61 saves percentage, that's that leads the nation. That's the best goalie in hockey. So how can you make a change? And you're winning games besides. Yep. So 
And then that's the big thing I like about this team is you look at the goals for, which is around 3.2 goals per game they're getting right now, and goals against is around 1.1, 2.1 goals per game separation from goals for, goals against. That is a really, really healthy separation. And uh, Minnesota's been able to keep that going right on through this uh, first six games. Fantastic. And and the best part is, and if we take a look here, there they are in first place, Bigs. 18 points, two games in hand over second place, Wisconsin. Um, Michigan had a couple you know, breakups, but uh, it's looking pretty good so far in this first six games. I mean, they're pitching a shutout. Very clean. You know, when you haven't trailed for a minute all season, that's the kind of standings you can get. And you can play a goalie more frequently when he's not getting a lot of work. Mm-hmm. You know, he got a lot of work in the third period of the Michigan State game, game two. But he's had a lot of games where he has not seen consistent pressure other than when they're out there killing penalties. You know, it's it's smooth sailing for him. And he's a pretty good in shape goalie, so you don't have to worry about him, unlike some other goalies in the Big Ten. Not to name names, but uh, I think Jack can handle it. And if you look at this, you know, if you're watching the video, you can see I've kind of limited the the 15 fields that they have now, Wally. Boy, I know. it's. <laughs> I've got regulation wins, and then I have overtime slash shootout wins because if you win a shootout or if you win an overtime, it's worth, it's worth the same amount. So I've kind of – I've taken away a couple columns there. It still all adds up, and that's all I care about because – when when Deutsch sends out the stats and it's just got this column, this column, this column, this column, I'm just going, stop. <laughs> it's getting out of control. Yeah. Well, I, I, I do like there's only three points available in a game. I just think that's great. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad college hockey, too, across the board, all six uh, conferences went with the, the same overtime procedure going forward now. There's – it's going to jump right into a three-on-three overtime and then a, a, a shootout afterwards. So I, I like that consistency. You, you don't have this, these different variances across the board from one league to the other. So that's a good thing. All right, Viggs, predictions on the week. Um, I always said predictions on the weekend. Predictions on the Michigan series. We're just used to weekends in college I hockey. Know. Sorry. Maybe we can treat this week like a weekend and just have a great time and enjoy the Gophers sweeping Michigan. Whoa. I, I do think that with Michigan losing their power play, their best puck moving defenseman, who they rely on a lot. You know, some teams, you know, when they have a key defenseman, he doesn't do quite as much as Cam York does for Michigan, but he does a lot for them. He's quite their catalyst. So without him, I think they're going to be missing a lot. And I feel like Minnesota has enough depth right now where they can really take advantage of that. Because just imagine losing half your lineup and having to face the Gophers who are going to play four lines. Yeah, true. And I don't and I think, think that, that, and that's kind of the key, Wally. You know, we are losing some defense, but up front, it's very consistent. Well, we got all our forwards, so that's yeah. the one big thing. And, and Michigan does not. Four of their five kids going to the uh, junior tryout are forwards. And a couple of these kids are going to be first-round draft picks in the NHL draft next year. They haven't even been drafted yet. So they're losing a lot of talent on the front end of their, their team. So uh, hopefully that uh, will bode well for our guys. I'm calling for a sweep, too, Viggs. i got to stay on it. i got to stay on the bandwagon. <laughs> <laughs> but you I know, know Taylor and Brent in the YouTube chat are upset with me going sweep, but I just the depth that Minnesota has is very impressive. Yeah. 
And you, you don't look you, at a six. You look at a six and old start. That's pretty impressive. I mean, mm-hmm. you're way up in the plus column right now, and it, it's it, it almost gives you the the feeling that you know you almost have a lock on first place right now because you played half the league. Uh, you know, Michigan's going to be a good team. Wisconsin's an improved team. I'm I'm still not certain what Notre Dame has got to offer because they've they've suffered some setbacks already. But uh, you know, it'll be a tight defensive battle with them. But boy, when you can start off and you're you've won three straight series and you don't have a blemish on your record. That's a great start. That's a good, happy mm-hmm. feeling going into this break. And you know what that actually makes me look forward to Viggs is that when Michigan comes to Minnesota, everyone will be playing then. Yeah. And yeah. that's going to be, be fun. That'll be great to watch. I was kind of waiting for this series before I kind of gave, you know, what's the temperature of this team? How hot are they going to be this year? I was kind of circling this match up on my calendar and now that all the players are going off to the camp you know that kind of diminishes it a little bit as a measuring stick but when you have a record like they're putting together it definitely bodes well for the rest of the season I think it also gives the players a little bit more disciplined knowing that they have such a big chance ahead of them this season Mm -hmm. that you can hold players more accountable when you have a situation like this all right. Well, Wally, thanks for coming on our podcast. That's well, my pleasure. It only took us 10 to years here. to get you on. <laughs> well, okay. Don't wait another 10. I'll, yeah, well, to be I'm honest, you know, it, far. It, it was Frank. We blame Frank because Frank is like, you know, Wally doesn't even have a smartphone. I don't know if he can do it. <laughs> now that we see you on the Zooms for everything, we go, well, see, Wally can do it. He's got to figure it out. Yeah, I've got to figure it out. Yeah. And that's good. Well, we appreciate it. He, he had to go download a program for the, these new microphones. I just plugged mine into the computer, and it, 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 it did it for me. It was great. Yeah, yeah. Frank <laughs> is kind of, yeah. You know, when we used to have him, we used to do this all through Skype with Frank, and he'd have to figure it out every time. He's been on the show more than anyone else, but he'd have to figure out the software every single time. Now, what's my login, all this stuff, so. Wally, do we get a coach's show this week? Uh, yes, we will be recording oh uh, tomorrow morning with uh, Coach, as we usually do, and it'll be played back uh, uh, those different time slots. I'm not even sure what time it hits the market. Uh, Probably 6 p.m. And then so hopefully, yeah, that's well, that's then Deutsch was given 7.30, and then he tweeted that out, and it was all wrong. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> I always look forward to the coaches show. Cause I think sometimes Bob forgets that when he's talking to you on the show, that it's actually going to be broadcast later. <laughs> and he always gives you guys a little something more than he'll give us at the availability. He's got his guard up for that, but with you, he just shoots the breeze and, and tells you a lot of info. Yeah, that's, that's, but that's Bob, you know, he, mm-hmm. he's a kind of guy that, you know, he reminds me so much of Herb Brooks. You know, they're just guys that you sit down at a bar and shoot the breeze with for an hour. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the way he is. And he just, uh, uh, he's that kind of down to earth type of human being and uh, loves his team, loves his kids. And uh, he, he's doing a great job. He's put together a fantastic staff that really works well together. They enjoy each other's company and, and uh, they, they, they share all the same thoughts and what they're doing. And, you know, you can see it. And it's taken a couple of years, I think, for that transition from the Don Lucia era to the Bob Motzko era. But uh, every coach has a little bit different style, and he's making his imprint. And now we're seeing the 
uh, the low-hanging fruit coming to fruition for this team. So it's great to see, and I think we're in for some really good years going forward with Gopher Hockey. Well, Wally, what we do also need is a good rivalry in the Big Ten. Obviously, Wisconsin coming back. Um, I could see a lot of guys in the chat. They they want to get you upset, so you start calling the other players hose heads again. <laughs> yeah, yeah I miss those North Dakota games. <laughs> and Duluth. <laughs> but it, it'll it'll come. It's. Uh, I think so too. And, and I, I was. Like and we've week. talked about this with Vegas. I'm like, I love these Michigan games. It might not be the same, but I, the Michigan could be a really good rivalry. I've always yeah. loved these games with Michigan. I think the big difference too with with this league versus the old WCHA. There's just so many more guys that have been drafted because you're dealing with big time schools. You know, and and, and that's not to say anything negative about some of these smaller schools, but when you've got an opportunity to get a lot of these kids that are draft choices and, and uh, some high end talent, I think sometimes big schools do have an advantage that way. And uh, this is a good conference. Uh, We sometimes lose too many players early to the professional ranks, but I think that speaks because of the talent level that we have here. Viggs, are you working on anything this week? Yeah, I'm putting together a little piece on Scott Reedy, who has really <laughs> asserted himself this year with the Gophers. He's just a big, strong forward. And yes. in college hockey, when you have a senior forward like that who knows how to play a possession game, knows how to create in-zone offense and can contribute like he does in the power play, you're going to be in great shape. So I've uh, tracked down a few quotes about him over the last year, and I'll be putting that together on GPL here on Tuesday. We look forward to that. We always look forward to that, Vegas. It's nice. Happy well, thank help. you, Wally. I'm just going to thank you again for being on the podcast. We just we really appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, my pleasure. All right. Thank you very much for having me. And that's going to do it for this uh, GPL podcast. Obviously, we want to thank Wally Shaver for joining us. And we'll be back sometime in early January. You know, we just don't know yet. You know, once we have a game schedule, it kind of allows us to figure out what the show schedule is going to be. So we'll just have to wait and see. For those of you listening live on YouTube, stay tuned for a little bit of overtime with Wally Shaver. For the rest of you, have a great holiday season, and we'll see you in 2021.